Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive centre-left politics has a lot to offer the modern world. On February 6th, 1918, 100 years ago today, the Representation of the People Act was given royal assent and became law. This legislation was the first major victory for women's suffrage, giving some women the vote for the first time. But a century on, the lack of women's representation in Parliament remains stark and sexism in both society and law is in the limelight. I'm Connor Pope, Deputy Editor at Progress, and I'll be discussing that with Progress Chair Alison McGovern, Deputy Director Stephanie Lloyd, and Chair of the Women's Parliamentary Labour Party, Jess Phillips. A few days ago, Jess, you posted a photo to Instagram of you and your friends balancing after eights on their faces <laughs> with the caption after eight game. Now, I'd never heard of this game before. They're the little chocolate things if people aren't quite sure what I mean. But could you explain what that game is? It is the best game ever. Uh, it is essentially, it's, it's very hard to explain. Basically, you put an after eight mint on your forehead and it's, it sort of <laughs> sticks, especially if it's quite sweaty and or it's a bit hot and it's a bit sticky because they're if very you thin. had one or maybe two drinks. Don't, yeah, a couple. You had a fruit-based drink. Definitely had some drinks. After eight is the perfect consistency. Don't try it with, you know, sort of like a Reese's cup or anything. It, it won't work. <laughs> a hobnob. Because it's, yeah. it's thin. A digestive. It's thin and it's light. That's the beauty yeah. of an after eight mint. So you put it on your forehead <laughs> and you basically have to like scrunch up your face like you're gurning, like you're Les Dawson. <laughs> Until it falls into your mouth. But there's a very precarious moment when it is sort of on your cheek balancing and then you've got to try and get it in your mouth. So you're sort of like like a cat, like trying to get it into your mouth. So, so for, li- for listeners there who couldn't see the face that Jess was doing, she was trying to lick her own cheek. Yeah, um. yeah that's essentially And it's just incredibly funny to watch your friends do it. Now, you can add an element of competition to the After Eight game. Um I prefer just to each right, person. Who can do it quickest? Who can do it quickest, essentially. Right, yeah. We do. We all put them at the same time. But then you don't get to see the beauty. Right, right, you're, t- right, you're just yeah. concentrating on your own game. Yeah. Um, whereas the fun, really, is watching your friends look ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> and taking so, pictures for your Insta. And basically yeah. taking pictures from my Instagram, which the biggest pickup I noticed was from uh, the MP Lucy Powell <laughs> saying, is that your kitchen? It looks really lovely. And I thought... <laughs> 
that's the, I did the, think that the, to be fair when I saw it. It isn't my kitchen. It's my it's my friend Amy's kitchen. <laughs> well done, Amy. Uh, yes, yeah, Amy has an amazing kitchen. She's always got the best work done in her house. There we go. Alison, you hate yeah. all sorts of organised fun, including Christmas quizzes I mean, and general generally. election campaigns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you ever play any games like this? No. None whatsoever. I mean, if what's you, the point? If you were at Jess's house for dinner and she brought out the after eights and asked you to play the game, would you? Well, okay, Jess and I have had dinner <laughs> quite a few times. I think she would. <laughs> the thing is, right, I hate games, but there's another thing that is that I'm very competitive, mm. quietly. I mean, it's not obvious, is it? But like, <laughs> so I think if Go did, I would. You like sport. That's a game. Yeah, but that's like... That sports. Sports. sports is a game. Um, sports is it? It's sports. games at school. <laughs> sports, not a game. It's very, very serious. <laughs> um, well, you know, with the kind of pivot to video and social media, perhaps the Progressive Britain podcast could stretch out into doing some sort of After Eight Game challenge. I would no, be up no, for I that. No, I can't cope with I've that. Got oh, definitely. I've got an idea. The podcast live at Progressive Britain... <laughs> Political weekend. A progress political weekend. Yeah, yeah you yeah. can do, do that. that. You, you could can definitely do the after eight game. It's like a mess element that I can't cope with. Yeah, you definitely get tram lines. Yeah, I can't. Of, I can't. Um, the OCD just like I can't. And when we played it on Saturday, I mean, nobody cared. And they were on there for like hours afterwards. And, <laughs> and it's just like everybody was just accepting the fact that everybody had just dark chocolate, chocolate lines down their faces. <laughs> nobody... Like as if that was natural. It was totally normal. Yeah. Maybe you need to play this, Steph. No. Maybe it'll be like therapy. Stephanie, you'd heard of it. Um, I had heard of it, yeah. I mean, it's a well-known game. I'm not yeah. quite sure where you've been, Connor. <laughs> but, uh, but no, yeah, there's, there's the OCD element to this that I can't cope with. But I do. I am a big fan of games. What, so what like, game? I love a board game. What game so what games oh. do you play after, after a boozy dinner? After a boozy one is different, right? Yeah, you don't so play like, a board game then. You don't play a board game after oh, booze, okay. or at least you have to make it like a drinking <sighs> game. So, like drinking game, articulate, lethal. I don't, I don't need a game to make me drink. No, so that's the thing. Uh, <laughs> if anything, I need to like stop, stop me, me from drinking. drinking yeah. Much, yeah, but no, I love a good board game. Monopoly is my favourite, but I have been known God. to just like literally throw it across the room if I. I lost. mean, it's a horrendous game. It's boring, it is, and I didn't like it there when they brought out the little card machine ones. I was like, no, this is too modern. They I want, have I a want card my can. machine. Mon- they have a card machine wow. Monopoly. I was like, no, stop it. Give me my banknotes. How else can I cheat? <laughs> like, no. It's like, yeah, 200 pounds. Like Articulate is a great It's an exceptional game, game though. Exceptional What game. is Articulate? It's basically like Fast and Furious. I feel like I'm it's pitching like, yeah, to, to sell Articulate <laughs> to the mass market. It's like a Fast and Furious <laughs> describing game. Yeah, so it's like Pictionary, but you've got to describe, describe it. it. Right. And you've got but to get you as can't many say, as possible. You can't say, obviously, what the word is. And you've got to do it as many as possible in a quick amount of time. And but, then there's this one moment where you have to... Everybody can play, and the other team can steal it. So you have to make your description really specific to the person, to the you're, person doing you're doing it to. Yeah. You're doing it to your husband. Yeah. Like you can say, like you know, do you remember that evening back <laughs> November '84? <laughs> yeah. so, but the best thing we would play. Me and my family are obsessed with board games, right? And at Christmas, they always come out, and my poor little tiny stepdad has no interest in them whatsoever. Oh, but he is so lovely, he will play it. But the, he's also, one thing he's not known for is speed. So when we play Articulate, me and my brother basically want to like kill each other. And then like my mum attempts to get really involved. But then my stepdad will be like, we'll be like, right, go. And he's like, okay, right. Mm. So 
Yeah. Oh, do you know that one? It's like everyone's like oh, just screaming no. at him. I would, like, I would definitely. That person would be disowned from my family. Literally, I'm like, but he's too cute. You can't not do it. But you never want him on your team. Have you Poor seen, little love. So as much as I hate games, I was on holiday with some friends of mine uh, last year, and they had that thing where you, if you've got a phone, heads up. And is that what it's heads called? Up. Yeah, heads up. Brilliant. Oh yeah. my god, it's amazing. So, despite myself, I was very into it. <laughs> we, can we kind of explain that? Okay, a bit so there. heads up is basically this thing <laughs> where it was Ellen DeGeneres. Generous's game. You get, she designed it. Is that, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you get an app on your phone and you hold your phone at your forehead and the app basically says a word or a song or something like that. And the people that you're Charades, playing with... essentially. Yeah. Oh, it's, the, it's the fag paper game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with a yeah, 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 phone. But then when you, when you say it, right, right. you can you then flick the phone. Um, and you have to do as many as you can. And also, it videos it you rec- doing it. Yeah. It records you it doing videos it. videos the person acting out the charades. And so they look can, ridiculous. If you want to be really niche, you can make your own deck. So, like, for free, you can make your own little ones. Yeah. You can you, just... you, you've got really into this, haven't you? I really well, I like... Got, I've, I've made like... my own deck. Yeah, I've really? totally made yeah. my own ones. It's I'm really into games, but we yeah. like to play it, like like sort of the Rizzler game, famous people game, but quick fire. Yeah. But yeah. with people we know. Yeah. So, essentially, we can basically act out people, boys, my friend Alex has gone out with. <laughs> so, we make our own deck <laughs> and literally... Every- all everybody puts is people my friend Alex has gone out with. <laughs> and we all just act out various things she's amazing. gone out with. I could, do, I could do this in our house. We'd do it with like economic forecasting models or something. You would. Yeah. You would. I can, I can imagine you, yeah. Spreadsheets we have known. You're playing a game where it's like, you've got one billion pounds to add to any department's budget. Where will it do the most good? Yeah, it's like childcare. The only two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already got the answer. Done. Yeah. The, only, the only two games I ever play are Trivial Pursuit. I love that. Oh, it but is my, cracking. My Twitter picture is me getting angry at being asked a question about Doctor Who because I hate Doctor Who. Oh, good man. Yeah, it's awful. I despise Doctor Who. The other game that I, I, oh, I always play with my or used to play with my friends was uh, you go around and try and work out if if a film was being made of your life, who would play you. Uh, but I refuse to play that anymore after. What? That's the greatest game because a film may be made of my life. And so we have been discussing this all weekend. My husband wants to be played by Wesley Snipes very specifically when he was in Demolition Man. And my, my nine-year-old son specifically wants Will Smith a la when he was in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air right. years to play Excellent. him. I, I think there's, there's only so realize... many times you can hear people say that, Connor, you'd definitely be Steve Buscemi. That... <laughs> and then it's like, there's no so, fun left in this so game. So I once, I once sort of played this game slash had this conversation with Tom Watson and Gordon Brown in a like in a quiet moment when we were talking about something else and it was really funny because I think it was Tom said to me who would play you Ali in the film of this and I sort of just like laughed and then like we looked up and we both looked at Gordon who obviously has been played in several films looked at each other and both just said David Morrissey (laughs) (laughs) Tom would definitely be that one Edgar what's his name the one from um, oh, what's that one where the zombies? Turn <laughs> <laughs> it to my mum overnight. Are you good at articulating? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I am definitely losing my mind at the moment. I can't yeah. remember anything. You know, uh, Shaun of the Dead. No, no. Oh, really. anyway. Not Edgar Wright was the director of that. Oh, right. Okay. Well, oh, the, Nick Frost. That's the one, yeah. Right. Okay. In fact, I think we probably need to leave that conversation. That great revelation. But we've got a brand new message for you coming up next. So do listen a lot. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, it's Alison McGovern here at Chair of Progress. I've just got a short message. If you're enjoying the Progressive Britain podcast so far, there are three things that you can do which would really help us out. The first thing is to subscribe to our podcast so that you always get the latest episode. The second thing is to rate us, tell us what you think. And the final thing is to leave us a little review. We love to hear what people think and the best ones get read out on the review show on a Friday. And if we really like what you've got to say, you could even win a progress mug. So don't forget, subscribe, rate, review. Writing in The Independent over the weekend... Harriet Harman said that successive generations of feminists have won the argument for change, but the battle still is to make that a reality. One area where there is a real danger of progress being reversed is on domestic violence. Plans to take refuges out of the welfare system puts funding in danger, and four in ten refuges could close as a result. What does that mean for the way that we help victims of domestic violence in this country, and how has this come about? Jess, you worked for Women's Aid before entering Parliament, which campaigns to end domestic violence. I was wondering if you could just start us off by explaining how the refuges are currently funded and and what are the changes? I mean, part of the problem with this change is it's relatively complicated and so can be slipped through without much controversy because the way that refuges are funded is not from one easy to understand part. It used to very much be that refuges were funded through their local councils supporting people budgets. All refuges would be able to apply for support money through the supporting people funding stream, which was created by the last Labour government. And it wasn't just refuges that were in that. That's all sorts of supported living, whether that's for people leaving prison, care leavers, people with learning difficulties, elderly people, all had access to this fund that was specifically about supported living. Now, over the past few years, that has been degraded a lot so that councils don't very very few of them fund anywhere near what they would have done even two years ago but certainly seven years ago so what has happened in that time is that the money that goes into domestic violence refuges that isn't for support but is actually for the tenancy for the the cost of the bed and the roof which was through housing benefit has become much more 
the way that refuges are funded. So that always existed where housing benefit was what paid for the bed and supporting people was what paid for the people to do the job, to look after you and give the counselling and look after the kids and make sure your benefits were right and find you somewhere else to live and find you a job. Now, without any of the support money, many refuges and women's organisations across the country rely very, very heavily on this other pot of money to keep refuges open. So what is being suggested at the moment is to remove that pot of money and put it and and they're saying that they're not cutting it, but to to organise it in a different way where local authorities get a say on it. So the money doesn't follow the woman anymore. Does the government have a kind of a a plan in place to stop closures happening or is this a kind of an unintended consequence of their changes? In rhetoric alone, they have a plan. They keep on saying no person turned away as the sort of tagline of everything when they talk about domestic abuse. However, at the moment, two thirds of women are already turned away. We're already turning that many away every single day. So it is nothing but a platitude so I would like to see that they have a plan in this what I think is good intentions they're trying to create a new system whereby supported living is taken out of the welfare budget and therefore it isn't as precarious to welfare cuts so I can see the intention but at the moment it is just a plan without proper thought or understanding of actually what will happen on the ground and that will be closures. And is is this, do you think, just partly because it's been overlooked rather than specific? I I know, Jess, you wrote uh, around the time of the budget that Treasury ministers had declined to come to the Women and Equality Select Committee to answer questions about how welfare cuts disproportionately affect women. Obviously, Alison, you're on the Treasury Select Committee. I mean, has there been any movement? Have have ministers been to to answer questions yet? No. (laughs) And and in truth... What's happened on the Treasury Select Committee is basically a feminist takeover. Um, so Nikki Morgan's the chair, who Tory though she is, you know, sort of gets some of these issues. But um, Rushnara, Ali, Kat McKinnell um, and I have essentially sort of said, like, look, we, we know this background that they haven't really responded to the Women Equalities, Women and Equalities Committee, but they don't really have any choice about coming to Treasury Select Committee. So we've got a bit of progress, but... There's two problems here. Firstly, that most people don't probably don't really want to think about the refuge in their area. So when it comes to kind of council tax and when it comes to thinking about what their local council is or isn't funding, or it's not going to be as nice a thing to campaign for as, you know, benefits for children with disabilities. Important though that is, you know, nobody really wants to think that we need refuges. And the other thing is that the problem is at the centre with the Treasury and they, they just don't think it's their issue. You know, mm. they just... So we've got a, a few steps further on the Treasury Select Committee, but we have a long way to go to get people to see that these issues, because it's about money, no, I don't care who you are in the Treasury, this is your job to get this right. And I don't care if you think your job is about, you know, medium-term financial strategy or the macroeconomic forecasts of our country, this is your job. Yeah, I think that the trouble is, is that the people element of the job of the Treasury is seems totally lost on them it has always been the area of policy led by the home office the domestic violence and that Mm. that's that's a historical fact but you know when the home office is also dealing in you know all your police cuts and everything to do with immigration 
it is everybody's favourite thing to talk about, domestic abuse services. Every Home Secretary loves it and wants it to be the thing that they are defined for. But what we need is somebody with the cash to care about being defined for it. And the Treasury is incredibly sort of male, pale and stale to the point that they don't see that it's their responsibility. And the vast majority of domestic violence funding in the UK has absolutely naff all to do with the Home Office. In fact, they are a t- they're probably around 5% of the spend on domestic abuse. It is almost exclusively through DCLG and through um, local councils and how that is funded. So the fact that the policy and the thinking all sits in one department, yet all of the money sits in another, has always led to a fractured system. And can I ask the kind of progress that maybe has been made on this issue, at what point has it come? Because I, I was, I literally rang my mum on the way here because um, she set up um, a refuge in Blackburn um, around the, well, when she was pregnant with me, in fact, um, and she told me that uh, she went in for an examination and was told, oh, you've gone into labour, you can't leave the hospital now. But she had um, letters that she was delivering by hand to people that they wanted to invite to be on the steering committee because essentially a group of women had got together to set up this refuge, but they didn't know anything about how you go about getting the funding for it or how you actually do it. And so they needed people to come onto the steering committee who had a bit of idea about how you get the money for it. Uh, And it was her job to go around delivering the letters. And so she refused to be taken into (laughs) to stay in the hospital so that she could go and deliver these letters, which... She sounds amazing. You know, obviously I'm incredibly proud of my mum, but also feel that possibly she shouldn't have really had to have done that. Although that does sound still like what is happening in women's refuges right. today there's many a story i mean my old boss sarah she did all of our um the payroll for the entire organization whilst in labor <laughs> so uh, it's i think women who work in this field just think that they could just have babies at the same time as running uh, refuges. But this is exactly right. The women's movement is exactly as you have described. It was essentially a group of women who put a mattress in a squat and invited people to come in. And has it, it is one of the greatest grassroots revolutions that now is an accepted part of government policy was something that was just started by these these women who just knew that they had to do something. And exactly as you have described, it was as professional as that. And some of that is missing from it now in lots of ways. We, I think there is a risk that we have over-professionalised some of the love and the heart. And now in a commissioning environment where every, you know, you have to have a, the bottom line and value for money and all of that means that really generic providers are now seeking contracts for domestic violence services. Um, in, in my own constituency, somebody has put in an application to change of use of a building and they say we're going to have supported accommodation for victims of domestic violence, for uh, young offenders. And it's like putting everybody as if yeah. all people with all problems can all just live in the same house. And that is, to- it's dangerous and it's totally unacceptable. But that is what sort of professionalising and funding has essentially done to the, the service. The thing that really worries me about this, Jess, is that when I was when I was looking into things and I used to work um, for kind of several charities and organisations that, that worked around these issues, I was in fact once in a meeting with you many, many years ago before you were selected. Um, but one of the things as well is that you don't then get the specialist 
care that you need as an individual. And it's that idea that like, we know of course that when it comes to domestic abuse, male violence against women is by far and large the most common type of abuse that we see within domestic, you know, within domestic abuse services. But, you know, you look at things like the LGBT community, for example, obviously, you know, I do a lot with, with LGBT labor specifically, but like one in four lesbian and bisexual women have experienced domestic abuse. Like almost half of gay and bisexual men have experienced one incident of domestic abuse from a family or parent. And like, there's so little research on on kind of trans domestic abuse, but of that, that there is over eighty percent of trans people have experienced domestic abuse, and there is not a single LGBT specific refuge in the entirety of England. I think there is. Is there? Yeah, uh, I think that there is. Um, I, I know that there is definitely eight bed spaces that you can refer to. So this uh, is it. But so that's only eight bed spaces. That's within specialist support. So that's it. So yeah, there and is, in Birmingham. There some areas within specialist support. Yeah. But of a wider context of some of that, the, the funding that sits within that, and that's the problem, isn't it, is that when you look at the level of cuts that these services are facing and the way that they're commissioned. Oh, yeah, the specialism the goes... The specialism just disappears It's not just... The, the concern is not just around uh, the sort of different... So LGBT being a good example of something that is grossly underfunded, mm. um, broken, rainbow. Yeah. Women with disabilities, yeah. there is almost hardly any Anything, bed spaces. Yeah. But all of the BME yeah. uh, women's services mm-hmm. that used to be a thriving... Oh. Um, group of organisations all are now facing the cuts and big organisations think oh well yeah we can just do it Asian women are the same and it's just like well no actually you do need specialist services to make sure you get a specialist response and people feel more comfortable with those services so that has been again another example of how the sort of commissioning and the cutting the cloth has basically eroded really specialist and responsive services. But um, in Birmingham, we fought to have a specific LGBT um, domestic abuse service commissioned when I was a councillor there. So we do at least have specialist independent domestic violence advisors specifically for the LGBT community, and it sits within the LGBT centre, which is down the road from the Women's Aid. And they all work very, very closely together. But I think it's still, it's one of like three examples in the country. So just to kind of be really basic for a second, if I may, because this is like, like I'm quite, I like, I'm happy talking about the funding, but the, the, the actual service provision itself is not really my specialist subject to the extent that I was really shocked, Jess, when I went to our local refuge, which is, you know, amazing. Uh, Most people in the world wouldn't have a clue where it was or that it even exists, rightly so, but it is amazing. I was really shocked at how, Un, I don't know, like wrong word, but like unglamorous. Like it really, what really pained me the most was how little excess there was. You know, oh, yeah. like like it it shook me that women going there would have gone through the most vulnerable time in their life. You know, in fact, I was pregnant when I first went to visit it, and I remember the woman from the refuge saying to me, "Oh, you're pregnant. Congratulations. You've just doubled or trebled your yeah. risk yeah. of." Being killed. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. and I was like really sh- shaken by it because I thought, goodness, I didn't even know that. You know, I'm supposed to be a member of parliament. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that how basic the kind of showering and bathroom facilities would be, how hard they had worked to get, you know, toys and stuff for the kids. And that all seemed like a massive struggle. And I guess 
people might just not know like actually what a refuge is like yeah you know, do you find like that you sort of have to remind people that this is not yeah, you know luxury. I, I would I, I would say very much sub travel lodge yeah <laughs> you know, this is... um yeah i mean and there they are different all over the country yeah. um but yeah this is not this is no frills and what i think is the the most um alarming thing for people when they first go into refuge is that women and children are in a room together there is no you know so i ran a variety of different um refuges some that was like old converted houses where people were living much more communally shared kitchens and that sort of thing um and but still the women would share the room with their children and then um more self-contained flats and things which were lots and lots of small flats around a central atrium um but again the women and children and this was you we had we had rooms that would sleep a woman with eight children wow uh, all in one room and then they would have a small kitchen and uh, a small living room as well but by and large yeah this is not this is not somewhere that you you would be able to stay long term that you would want to stay long term no matter how brilliant and welcoming and kind a place it might be and there is a big move now as well to try and get individual homes in the community um for that are refuges that are sort of self-contained because for example people who people won't leave if they can't take their pets with them sometimes yeah. well, like fair enough really. yeah totally i mean i don't have a pet so i used I to either, i used I to think... feel a little bit like really the yeah. dog but people really love their dogs but it's that mental health thing isn't yeah it? absolutely but also your teenage son yeah. There's quite a lot of so refuges because of having a sort of no men's rule and I think it's boys over the age of 14 it's and if you have a teenage son you're not going to leave him yeah. so uh, but so we had five separate houses in the community so that that could be overcome both the, yeah. the pets thing and also the teenage boys thing. But also I mean I'm going to sort of like just bang on slightly about my hobby horse which is also money to help the police or whoever or whichever Absolutely. authorities to, so that they can get the abuser to leave, to be yeah. the one who leaves and making the person's home secure. Well, yeah, sorry, on that kind of note, I remember speaking to someone um, about food banks a couple of years ago and they told me actually one of the things that is really important to put in a food bank collection is stuff like tin openers because actually so often what is happening is that the person who needs the, the food bank um, has actually had to leave their own home because of domestic violence or something like that. And so they don't have kitchen appliances with them. Mm. And so it's great to have tin food, yeah. but if you can't open it, then... It's useless. Yeah. But it's also, it seems to be, it's utterly symptomatic of so much of what we see in terms of society at the moment, like the platitude, as you say, that people will give. And it is so well-intentioned in so many ways. And we're seeing that, we see that across politics and society in terms of the way that women are treated, like the platitudes of everybody going... Isn't it awful? And then, but when it actually comes to doing something about it and actually having to like put the work in or put the money in um, and actually look at this as a much wider problem of all of the different parts that it encompasses, funnily enough, it just seems to just seems to slip right off yeah. the radar there. And the police, I think, are desperate to be able to do some of that, getting the perpetrator out and leaving the woman and her children 
usually in the home but at the moment there just isn't the resource while there isn't also essentially like I suppose a sin bin other than a prison to put the perpetrator and what you will find uh, nine times out of ten in all the cases that I've dealt with was that if the perpetrator isn't housed also has a job has all of those sort of social things that are respectable in place the likelihood is is that the woman will feel guilty and let uh, let him back in and if he's homeless and he's kicked out he'll be knocking on her door but there has got to be a change of the burden being on the woman and children to leave there has got to be some way you know we put a man on the moon we have got to be able to come up with a solution for the future that doesn't just see women having to flee is is that um can i just ask would that be a legislative change that you you can imagine it the, legisl- the, the legislation at the moment actually isn't that bad on it. So there's a thing called a go order, which was uh, the coalition government, I believe, brought in. It's probably not called a go order. That's what we called it in the field. Uh, there are other things that Some we... sort of legal do, order. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's a go order, which basically gives the... Um, when a woman rings the police and the police can remove uh, the perpetrator for, I think it was 48 hours while they can then go in and get statements, gather evidence. The trouble is, is that will only ever work if at the same time as they get him to go away, if he does come back and he's banging on her door, that there is a power of arrest. And it's not just that the power of arrest exists, is that it is acted upon. Every single civil order that I know about, whether that's a non-molestation order, a restraining order, a go order, all of those are worthless unless the police actually have the resources to react when people report them. I don't know a single woman who has had one of those orders that was effective that when he contacted her on Facebook or contacted her kids on Facebook or came round to where she worked that and she called the police, that anything changed. At the moment, we desperately need to look at strengthening those orders. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the legislation is there in all of these cases. The resources to actually tackle it aren't. On the legislation point, though, is there is there anything that could be coming up that could change this? I know there's a domestic violence bill coming up, and and recently in Scotland, I think psychological abuse has been taken into account in these cases. Is, is are those kind of areas that we could look at as as being some changes? Well, we well we can only hope so, but at the moment, it's I, I just don't know because it has been put off the domestic abuse bill. We're we're still waiting for the consultation, which we hope will come in February. Um, Do you think this is part of the kind of Brexit bandwidth problem? Totally, it's a Brexit bandwidth problem. There's no two ways about that. Even stuff that was trumpeted in the Queen's speech, Mm -hmm. like the domestic violence bill, now has just fallen off the agenda. Totally. Because all of the ministers, secretaries of state are just busy, you know... Yeah, I mean, about with we, we were about to really change something and it would have genuinely changed and was already starting to work. And I had victims contacting me and thanking us for the work that we had done around trying to stop perpetrators of domestic abuse in the family courts, cross-examining victims, because in an era where there's no legal aid, 
um, most people now going through the civil courts go as litigants in per- person, so they represent themselves, Just which a means a total it's a nightmare. nightmare. It's shameful. It's yeah. so, so shameful. This it is means that if you are a convicted perpetrator of domestic abuse and your wife is trying to stop, your ex-wife is trying to stop you having access to the children because you are dangerous, uh, that you can cross-examine her in court, which means, you know, the person you are most scared of, the person who has controlled you, is allowed to ask you about your worst fears, your tap into your worst nightmares, and you women give up because they just say, "Okay, fine, I don't want to go through with that." Yeah. So he can have the children for this weekend, and we see all sorts of horrible cases where children end up, in the worst cases, dead. And we were about to change that in the courts and prisons bill before the last general election, which was going through cross-party approval. All of the amendments had been put in and agreed to, and it was a real success. It would have genuinely changed lives. The election gets called, it falls, and when I've asked if it's coming back, the answer is no. It's like the massive opportunity cost of this mess that our country's got itself into is huge, and it feels to me a, a shame on many other subjects, but on this in particular... I mean, how hard it would be. Like, we've got cross-party support. We yeah. can legislate in a day. I keep saying, put me on an SI. I'll sit on SIs for the rest of my life. Sorry. Statutory instruments. So, yeah. So, and I'll, I will just sit all day yeah. going over the legislation and saying, yes, I know. Yeah, whatever. I mean, Quick, let's get it done. If, if the whips sorted it out, we could have a committee of women MPs to do it literally in five minutes yeah and we could get it through and you know i'm sure we've got some sisters in the lords who'd whip it through there as well oh and absolutely like, but this is li- the problem with all of this is nobody's got any attention span for anything other than no. Brexit. there is no political capital left in the building for people to push for anything everybody with any power is using up their political capital for what seemingly their own ends at the moment and it is, uh, you know, it is a curse on our all our houses, yeah. frankly. Um, we only have a couple of minutes left, but Steph, I wanted to pick up on something you said earlier about the difference between platitudes and actions. Um, because I wonder with, obviously, the last few months in media and, uh, you know, over the weekend, incredibly famous actor Uma Thurman was talking about the abuse that she'd suffered from director Quentin Tarantino. And and so actually there was a much better awareness of this kind of stuff than possibly there was a few months ago. But do you really think that the platitudes of we need to get something done are as accepted as you said? Because I was um, on telly on Monday morning, there was a Karen and Gala Smith from the Counting Dead Women group, which, uh, you know... Does what it says. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Publicised the fact that, um, you know, 138 women were killed by men in domestic violence incidents in this country last year. But she was repeatedly spoken over and essentially told that the argument that she was making that, you know, all men were terrible and, hey, that's not really the point. So do you think that actually it is true about people accepting the platitudes or actually do we still need to kind of really push that conversation quite a bit? No, I mean, I think there are there are swathes of people who spend their lives doing the most inspiring and difficult work to help what are some of the most vulnerable and abused people in our society. And there is certainly, particularly within the Westminster bubble, a real want from, from lots of people on both sides of, of the chamber to, to actually get things done. But as we say, like, it hasn't happened. Like, these things haven't changed. And when the difficult questions come of what's going to get funded and what isn't, 
they don't think like these women won't win them any elections. They won't win them votes. And it's the really shameful part of politics, actually, when it comes to it's not about doing the right thing. It's about keeping yourself in power. Um, and the thing is, actually, we see that far too often in far too many ways. Um, I sound right, right on at the moment, don't I? But, <laughs> you, but, you, you go, sister. But no, but like, it genuinely infuriates me. And you see so many situations around politics where, like, the difference is, is they will have to give up, like, some men will have to give up their political power and some people will have to give up the money that goes to things that they quite like and are quite nice services to stop women from dying at the hands of their partners. And it genuinely is as simple as that. And the problem is until the money is there, the services are there, it will keep going on. But Jess, what could, if, if we could spend uh, half a billion a year on... <laughs> Ali's favourite game. Women's, <laughs> yeah, literally, women. <laughs> You know, what What could we get in terms of domestic violence support if I had a half a billion? Oh, like half a I mean, billion. you could you could secure the bed spaces for refuge accommodation with... We could stop turning people away. We could stop turning people away. We could invest in even more flexible and different sorts of accommodation to allow as many people to escape as possible. You could invest in the infrastructure for people who don't leave necessarily um, who need support in the community um, and aren't in refuge and that is the vast majority of support services are geared towards actually that that's very very few women end up in refuge it is about trying to get people to be safe um, so for half a billion you could get both of those things the thing that will cost the money that will cost a lot of money and um, is going to take a lot of political will is the issue of the policing, is yeah. making really specialist forces and really, really specialist court system, which we used to have much better through the CPS. Um, we need to invest in that, but whether you'd get that for half a billion, if you wanted everything. So, so this is just my weekly reminder for everyone that in November, the Chancellor spent half a billion per year Three and a half billion over the forecast period on making it cheaper for people to buy houses. Yeah, not people where I live, because no, no house is that much money. And where I live. Yeah, well, exactly. I where I live, all the houses are far too much money. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, move. Anyway. I've written that. Is <laughs> <laughs> this move, an offer to come to the People's Republic to, of Birmingham? Move to Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think we probably do need to leave that conversation there. But uh, <laughs> thank you so much uh, for coming on today, Jess. Uh, that was great. Every week, Connor asks a political pub quiz question with the answer revealed on Friday's show. And my question this week is, which Labour MP was a chorister at Southwark Cathedral I in should, London? I should really know this. I, you I, don't as, know this. As an ex-councillor in the London borough of Southwark, the proud borough of Southwark... <laughs> I should know this, but I haven't got a clue. I hope you go around your colleagues this week and start asking them, all of them, who, who it might be. I'm just going to hum Handel's Messiah and see who joins <laughs> in. If you know the answer, and like Alison, uh, do send your answers to at Connor Pope on Twitter or email office at progressonline.org.uk and you could win a Progress mug when the answer is announced on Friday morning. Uh, we need to wrap up now, but we've been delighted to have Jess joining us today. Send in your questions and comments through Twitter, email, or best of all, as an iTunes review. And me and Stephanie will be responding to them on Friday's show with the best iTunes comment winning a prize. And don't forget to subscribe and rate. You've 
been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music was When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And many thanks to the brilliant Caroline Crampton who produced this podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.